This is the Careers in Review podcast. We'll show you how to navigate the job market and career space like a pro. Starting now, here is your host, Ediana Rosen. Hello, hello, career reviewers, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Career Review Podcast. I'm Mariana, your host, and today I have Harry Stone with me. You probably know if, because if you follow me on LinkedIn, we are, I'm going to call it, we're like BFFs on LinkedIn. We're all the time supporting yes. each other's <laughs> supporting each other's content. Welcome to the podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce because, hello, you're in your house, so go ahead and take it away. Thank you so much. I'm actually really excited. We got connected through LinkedIn and now we get to connect live as well. So really excited to be here. I'm Harry Stone. I will say I've had two different career paths. I was a mortgage underwriter before moving into the world of recruitment, which is where I've been for the past nine years. I worked in multiple industries, including financial services at JP Morgan, over at big tech of Google, the startup world of WeWork, and also the world's fastest growing company in the past few years of TikTok. It's been an exciting journey just being able to pivot my career. And also I've moved into a leadership role in the past uh, two years where I was able to lead a team of recruiters, coordinators, and sourcers. For my passions, I would say outside of just the world of recruitment, I do really love event planning. I've planned a number of diversity recruiting events and programs. I've led an employee resource group. I'm really into music, have a piano sitting right here and love going to concerts and shows. Outside of that, also traveling recently, went to Mexico and Florida and Canada and I'm just really looking forward to this conversation. We'll talk a little bit more about what I've learned throughout my career and how you can help navigate yours. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for pulling back the curtain and your experience and your background. I mean, anybody listening to the podcast, why wouldn't you want to be friends <laughs> with you? You have an amazing background and so many awesome hobbies. I want to just start by asking, you know, how did you become a recruiter, especially because it sounds like you were a, a career transitioner. And I was actually just reading a, a post on LinkedIn from somebody that it was so odd because I've met a lot of recruiters who essentially just fall into the recruiting industry by mistake. And I haven't really met a lot of people who essentially actively pursued a career in recruiting. But it sounds like some people who actively switch into recruiting were intentional about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you essentially transition into it? Yeah, great question. I went through a college program at J.P. Morgan and was doing really well in the role, but I felt like I reached a ceiling. Like there was nowhere else to go. And I was still early on in my career and I was making decisions on people's lives, but I was not able to connect with them as consumers and as the customer based on the regulations. So I reached out to the HR sponsor of the program I was a part of, and I shared my interest in moving over to the people side of the business. And through that mentor, I just started job shadowing and networking with HR folks across compensation, across HR business partners, across recruitment, you name it. I was setting up calls, conversations, and I started job shadowing and networking with a recruiter, taking my lunch break, sitting with her, learning the art of recruitment. And I found that it was something I could definitely see myself doing. I enjoyed the problem solving of understanding what a role was, seeing what the candidate pool looked like, helping to match that up. And I felt like I could bring something to the table there. So 
there was an opportunity, thankfully, internally, where I was able to move into a role like that. It wasn't easy, but that's something I did seek out. I found a real passion and an interest in the world of recruitment. And thankfully, someone gave me an opportunity and that's where I ended up. I love that. You know, job shadowing is something that not a lot of people talk about. And that's something that I did myself transitioning out of recruiting, actually, into the role that I have today. And that's something that a lot of people essentially ask me about, like, how did you transition into the new role you have? And it's so interesting that you just mentioned job shadowing. It's something that is very underrated. I think it's important because sometimes you have this idea in your head of what a job would look like. But once you do it, you might think like, oh, actually, this is not what I imagined. It's the same thing as looking at a job description. It's just like a laundry list of tasks or activities that you think idealistically, it looks like, oh, that's something that I think would be interested in. But doing the job might turn out to be something different. So I think really shadowing somebody or essentially, if you don't know what that means, it's just like following somebody around or just witnessing what somebody is actually doing in the role. It could be super helpful. It's like an internship, but just essentially observing someone doing it as opposed to you actually doing the role. So huge privilege if you get to do it. But if you are able to do that, I think it's a great opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. And also, if you do that, you might be able to ask to join certain projects or initiatives. If you're moving into recruitment, there might be a recruiting event or a career fair that they need your help with. Or if you're doing something else that's maybe more project-based, project management. Maybe there's a project you can jump on as a volunteer and see if that's actually something you want to do. So it could really help expand your network and then give you those new skills. Absolutely. And I think something else that you just shared there uh, is something that I tell people all the time, asking. People are so afraid of asking and what you want is just as far as the other side of that question. And the worst that can happen is that you can hear a no. Nothing worse is going to happen than just a no. But at least you know that you at least tried by asking. I love that story. (laughs) Thank you. And then here you are. Now you went from, you know, a completely different career into recruitment and then now into leadership. That's something else that a lot of people get interested in too, because recruitment sometimes can be, or people perceive it to be a dead-end career of like, what else can you do besides just recruitment of essentially helping people find roles? But I'm very interested to hear from people who essentially get to leadership positions. Can you pull back the curtain and tell us a little bit about how you became a leader in the recruitment side and, and how do you like it? What are some tips that you can give us into how you essentially can become one and the pros and the cons of it? Yeah, so moving into a leadership role was always a North Star for me. I found that that was something that I wanted to get to a leadership level. I'm managing a team and I always found myself in volunteer leadership opportunities. I ran an employee resource group with a leadership team of 30 people. And I was always like gravitated towards leading projects and training people and coaching people and developing people. And although that wasn't my job title, I felt that I was able to gain experience throughout my career by placing myself and raising my hand for opportunities that could provide me that type of responsibility. So as far as the leadership role, I think time and luck is part of it, at least for me. I joined a company that was scaling and growing. And when a company is scaling and growing and you're one of the original members of a team, there's going to be at some point opportunity to move individuals up if they do have the right attributes and capabilities. 
just because there's going to be a need to bring in more people to help continue to scale the organization. So I found myself in that type of situation. You may also be at an organization where somebody moves out of a role or they move out of the company. And so it creates a new opportunity for somebody to move up and into that position. Sometimes companies, if you're lucky, they will help to look at the talent internally and help provide opportunities for them. Sometimes they might have to look externally because they feel like they don't have the right skills and attributes that are within the current employee population to move into that job. So when that opportunity came available, I raised my hand. I already was in this like semi-leadership role because people were coming to me as a mentor and a friend. And so moving into that next level where I could then manage individuals, it really helped to seal that North Star deal that I was looking for. Moving into a leadership role is definitely very different than if you're doing that for our volunteer purposes. Because when you're leading a team and you're responsible for their performance, their compensation, their performance improvement plans, if they're doing well or they're you know, doing something bad, you have to be there and have those really tough conversations. As somebody who always likes to look at the best in people, sometimes those conversations could be really tough for me to provide and to talk through and to think of like, what are the actual solutions? It also pulls you in a thousand directions because maybe you have a body of work that you're doing, but then you're also responsible for connecting with the team and helping coach and develop them. And then all their clients are also your clients. So your workload really increases. It does become more strategic, which I think could be exciting. At the same time, as somebody like myself who really cares about work-life balance and providing those parameters and putting that in place, it is a little bit harder to separate yourself from your job when you are leading a team of people because they are relying on you and you have to be able to set things up where they also feel supported when you're not around. Mm, Those are great points. And also, I think I actually was just commenting on someone's post the other day about leadership, right? And moving into a leadership position when you're not prepared for it, when it's too soon or for the wrong reasons or in the wrong organization. Sometimes when you don't have the right tools to move into a leadership position, especially in the recruiting space, when things sometimes can move really quickly and when there should be some strategy behind it, that that can really set you up and your team for failure. And I commented because I was actually one of those people that I joined a startup and I think the story there was essentially almost the same where I don't think that any other company would have put me in that position just because I was very young. I didn't have a lot of experience, but that startup essentially was growing and they essentially saw me. I was really good as an IC. I was delivering results. And sometimes people get confused, right? Like you're really good IC delivering results and getting what you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes you're good as an IC, but then that's it, right? Like sometimes that's where you need to be as an individual contributor. And I just didn't have the right parameters as a person to lead others. And sometimes they just dangle that carrot in front of you and you think that the leadership position is the right path for you in that time. And yes, you know, being a leader is something that I aspire to be in the future. But now after that experience, I'm very conscious about how 
essentially I'm taking on those opportunities because it's not just about me. It's about the people below you. And I'm so happy that you're mentioning all of those things as well, because essentially you are responsible for other people's performances and their careers as well. And that's so important to, to take into consideration. So thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's important to understand that the opportunity has to be right and the parameters essentially is a little bit of luck as well in the company that you might be joining. So it's important for people to take that into consideration as well. Yeah. And also like sometimes larger companies, like when I worked at JP Morgan, we had an entire leadership training program that was built out where you can go through that. When I joined my leadership role, we had none of that, right? Because it's a startup and you have to really train yourself on the job. So if you don't feel like you have the right coach and the right leadership and people to help give you their tools to succeed, like you're saying, then you could potentially be set up for failure or you might feel like you're not able to perform at the highest level that you could potentially perform at just because of the other resources that are available or not available. So that's something to really think about. And also people are complicated. I think (laughs) I I love the people that I was leading. I'm friends with all of them. That's something that you have to be able to start separating your personal relationships with people for work that has to get done. And it could be challenging if you don't think about that from more of a strategic perspective of understanding that when you're at work, this is work. And if you're friends with people and you were friends with them before work, you started becoming their leader. And that's something you have to be able to separate out because favoritism could come in. And there's a lot of other factors that biases that can at play and you always want to be fair if you're a leader and you want to be there to really help give people the i would say the tools and the resources and the motivation to be the best version of themselves absolutely i love that you know that's where a lot of conflict can be introduced as well right and also not only friendship but when you tend to be in the same organization and sometimes you're in the same team and your peers and then somebody else gets promoted over the other person and then now you become that person's leader or manager when it's not done the right way on their communications piece, that can create a lot of conflict. And I've experienced that a lot in other organizations when it's not done the right way. So I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah. And one other thing to think about if you are looking at becoming a leader in the future, and this is something that was pointed out to me years ago, just be mindful if you are friending your team members on social media and you're tying yourself into other people's lives. If you one day become their leader and you're sharing information that maybe you don't want to be shared or vice versa, you just have to be conscious of like, what are you putting out there? Who are you connecting with? And what can that mean for your potential role as the leader of this organization? 100%. Absolutely. Remember, the internet is a funny thing once it's out there. (laughs) (laughs) There's no taking it back. (laughs) Hey, career reviewer, I'm interrupting myself because I have something super exciting for you. I want to give you a free resume review. This usually goes for $387. You can check out the link to book a regular call on the show notes. This offer is exclusive to my podcast listeners, and I do these reviews on IG and TikTok lives every week. All you have to do is leave an Apple or Spotify podcast review, take a screenshot of that, and send it over to careersinreview at gmail.com. That email is careersinreview at gmail.com. 
In that email, you're going to go ahead and attach that resume that you want me to review. Be sure to remove any personal identifiable information and give you permission to review that on a live. And I will give you all the personalized tips on how to make that resume better so that you can apply for the job you want. If you can make the live on the scheduled time, do not worry because I'm going to go ahead and send you the replay. Now, back to the show. I want to switch gears a little bit, going back to the recruiting piece. As we all know, it's no secret that things are slim pickings out there in general, right? For their job searching experience for everybody. But specifically, it's bad for our colleagues in the job searching space for the TA or talent acquisition space recruiters. Specifically, they got hit pretty badly for the layoffs. I do want to ask you, because I do know that you were one of the people that got affected, unfortunately, for the layoffs. And I want to Ask your perspective, because I do know that you've taken it on the positive side. You've been able to essentially implement a lot of habits into your day-to-day life. And uh, you've been able to take on a lot of learning experiences from this particular aspect. And now, you know, essentially going on podcasts and taking on a lot of the creative side that you have as a person and not just attach yourself to that identity of who you are in your career space. What are some tips that you have for our fellow recruiters when it comes to this very difficult situation that we all see ourselves in when it comes to navigating this journey? Yeah. So I will say I speak definitely from privilege as I'm in a situation where I can take the time to think about what's next for me. I understand that not everyone is in that situation. I actually felt more like that the last time. It's weird to say that I'm a layoff veteran. Uh. <laughs> more, like, I don't even want to... That word makes my skin crawl. But at the same time, I think I was in a different headspace the last time. And this time I'm looking at it much differently. What I thought about the last time and different from this time, last time I really divided out my days to work more like a Monday through Friday as far as finding opportunities, but I divided it out into thirds. So I would spend a third of my day applying to roles, a third of my day networking, and a third of my day relaxing. If that means going for a walk, if that means going to the gym, cooking, doing anything to get my mind off of the whole job search process, I think it was important to really think about how can I divide up my time and how can I also put structure into my day? I tend to be a more of a structured person. So how do I create something by attending a meditation class each day at this time or going to the gym at this time or putting different time blocks? So that was really helpful. I think this time around, I am taking more of a pause as recruiters and people in HR, we are taxed by giving ourselves so much and we don't always get things in reverse. And the last few years have been really taxing on how many, much hiring we had to do and the layoffs and the next round of layoffs and the more hiring. And it's important to take a break and say, what do I need? What have I been missing out on? What are the life experiences? Are there family functions and friends and trips and experiences that I've missed out on because I've given so much of myself to a job that may no longer be part of my life at this time. So really thinking about what that looks like. I'm also doing a creative course through the artist way, which divides out your life into six pieces of a pie. And work is just one of them. It's also thinking about like, what are those other factors? How do you think about your relationships? How do you think about you as an adventure? How do you think about these other areas of your life that maybe you didn't give as much to, but they can help give you clarity on where you want to go? And so 
this time around, I am taking time to really read, to reflect, to take online classes, to do podcasts and things that are coming my way and trying to put myself out there as well, just because I want to create more of a presence and a a brand around who I am as an individual and connect with other creators and individuals that can help each other out as we're continuing on this journey as your network is definitely something that will continue to be there if you give to it and it will continue to grow and something that I think you can gain a lot from if as long as you're nourishing it and uh, giving it back what it needs in the time that needs to be done. So those are some of the things I've thought about. As far as besides that, there's tons of free courses and classes and trainings online. I think that's one of the great things about right now, maybe there's like too much information, information overload of here's a thousand lists, here's another person to follow with jobs, and here's another thing to follow with this. So it's really finding like who are the right people that can provide you what you need and what are the certifications and free trainings and free courses and free things that can help you really start to expand what you want to learn during this time. Absolutely. I'm so happy that you mentioned that because I think that's what's contributing to the overwhelm. It's just so much coming at you. It's like opening up that water hose, just like, ah, everything's hitting me at once. And considering as well that a layoff is already something so overwhelming that can provide you with so many emotions, especially as recruiters. You know, we are known to be type A, very accomplished type of people. And always wanting to achieve the next thing that's right in front of us. And so we tend to identify ourselves a lot with our careers. And so when that's taken away, that's a huge shock to our system. It's hard to want to take a break because it's, our recruiters, it's like, oh, are we going to get judged because we have that break in our resume? That's the first thing that comes to our minds. And so we right away want to get back into the horse and want to look for a job. So I think it's so important to give ourselves, again, considering that there's a lot of privilege within that. So I'm so happy that you also mentioned that. So if we do have the time, again, we're not talking about months if you don't have the opportunity to do that. But even if it's just one day to sit with the emotion and to realize that, We are human beings and we're dimensional. It's not just one thing that's important in your life, but also filtering the information that you're allowing in your life, in your brain, in your aura. And also love the piece that you mentioned about networking. And I would love to understand from your perspective, how do you water that tree specifically? You did mention that as long as you give back to your network and that you utilize that in strategic ways, it's always going to be with you regardless of where you work, regardless of what company you're in at the moment. If you can give us the top three tips that you have when it comes to the networking piece, I would truly appreciate that because I'm always collecting all of the information about networking. That's one of my favorite pieces to talk about. And I think that's one of the things that people struggle the most, you know, maintaining those relationships in a meaningful way. Yeah, networking is definitely, I think it's an area where some people struggle to even start, right? Because it also might seem overwhelming. I learned when I was career pivoting that that was the way I was going to get new opportunities. And the first thing that I really learned is to start local and start small. Find the people that you're surrounded by, whether they're coworkers or leaders in your area or people just that you know in your life. Like just start something small where you can start to learn from them. And from those people, you have to be strategic. When you're talking to someone in networking, you're taking their time. And time is valuable. Time is a resource. You know, it's not unlimited. And it's something that if you're speaking to a really 
senior level person, one minute of time is worth a lot of money. <laughs> so really going in there with the idea of, I'm talking to you because I want to know about this information or I want to know somebody that does this. And who can you put me in touch with to provide me this information or to provide me with other people that you can connect to it? And you start building a web of people. The third thing is just stay connected to them. If it means texting them once a year, sending them an email, sending them a LinkedIn message, bumping into them at the office, grabbing a coffee, do what you need to do to stay top of mind. And when they need something, they come to you. When you need something, you come to them and continue to really nourish what that relationship looks like. So that way, the people in your network can become mentors and friends and can help sponsor you as far as when you're looking for new opportunities and looking to learn and grow. These are the people that will help push you into the directions that you're looking to go in. And I think that's something that if you think about it from the local side, if you think about it from a strategic side and continue those conversations, that will really help to build out your network from there. Absolutely. I totally agree with all of those tips. And uh, something else sometimes that people get overwhelmed is how do I keep track of all of those things? The way that I do that is I have a Google Sheet that I just add people to. And then I have different columns of like the person's name, how did I meet them, best place to contact them, whether that's, you know, a link to their LinkedIn profile, their number, their email, whatever it is. And I don't overwhelm myself by having to feel like I have to follow up with them every single month or every single week, especially depending of like how busy they are. And something else that I try to pay attention to the things those people say to you because people love to talk about themselves. So just really pay attention by asking meaningful questions. And things that are not easy to find on the internet, like people just get annoyed by that. Like you can just simply just search that on the internet. I don't need to answer those things. So specific things that they will really feel enriched by the conversation and pick up on those things. Like every six months, like, hey, I remember you were going to ask for a promotion or XYZ at work. How did that go? Tell me a little bit about that conversation. I am curious to hear about how that went. And people just feel like, wow, I can believe that you remember that. And the way that you can do that is by just putting a little note on that Google Sheet. The person was going to talk about a promotion. Remember to ask in XYZ time. Simple things like that are going to really make you stand out because I guarantee you 89 or 90% of people are not doing that. And that's how you maintain a really good network. And it's a lot of work. It is. But that is what makes a strong connection with someone. One other thing I would recommend, because I love that advice, and it really making sure you're like personalizing it is important. Also, one other thing I would recommend is making sure that you're putting yourself in rooms and situations where you have the ability to meet other people. And that might mean going to a networking event or function where you might feel really awkward. Like it's weird to have to go and throw your hand out and meet people and break up conversation or go to a conference or just a panel discussion. But those are the places where you'll start to meet people that are also interested in the same types of things that you're interested in. And that can help get you into rooms with people that can really push your career into different directions that you might be looking to go in. And it's something I really learned a lot about leading an employee resource group, just making sure that there's space for people that want certain types of opportunities, providing them with those types of resources, and then allowing things to happen more organically. 
But I think it's always up to the individual to say, this is something I'm interested in. I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone and put myself in this situation and see what type of network that I can build from here. Absolutely. And then a quick reminder is that you are in charge of your career. Nobody will advocate for you as best as you would. So I know that these things sounds like a lot of work because they are, but this is how people like you and I have gotten to where we are is by putting the extra effort in and by understanding what it is that we want. And sometimes like I'm a multi-passionate person. So like what I have today, it's not something that I knew I wanted a few years ago, but it's by trial and error and by putting myself out there by asking questions and by just experimenting that I've realized like, oh, maybe I want to try this one thing out today. And like, oh, this is interesting. Or like, "Mm, I tried it out. I don't like it. I'll try something else. You cannot know what you want in inaction. You really just have to do it and put yourself out there. And sometimes it's awkward and it's uncomfortable, but what's worse? You sitting here and finding out five years later that you're sitting in the same spot. I think that's worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Well, I've loved everything that you've shared so far, but I have a quick rapid fire questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Are you ready for the rapid fire? Sure. One underrated career or job searching advice you wish more people knew about? Closed mouths don't get fed. Advocate for yourself in the offer, in the interview, in your role, in your performance review. Make sure that you're speaking about yourself in a very positive light. And that way, other people will start to believe in you the same way that you do. And I think that's something that people can rally around. Um, just making sure you are continuing to speak up for yourself in moments and times where um, you feel like you need that support and that you're deserving of whatever that next step is. Ooh, I love that. We need to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a business idea. <laughs> I love that. Best career advice you've ever gotten. Branding yourself is really important. Like the way you brand yourself. I remember when I was moving from underwriting to recruitment and I met with someone and they said, I hear what you're saying, but I'm looking at your resume. I don't see what you're saying. Make sure that what you are talking about and where you want to go is representative of what's on your resume. Even if it's not the job you're doing, maybe you're doing aspects of that. There's transferable skills you can leverage, you can include. And that's something that I would recommend looking at like for me, for example, during that time I was helping with some campus recruitment efforts, added that on and it gave me some credibility within the recruiting space. So just think about where you want to go and branding yourself in that direction. Mm, Love that. Biggest pet peeve in the career space. Ghosting. Definitely. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Ghosting both ways for Recruiters and candidates, it is just something that has to be solved or like it's creating this unfortunate situation in the industry at the moment on both sides. Yeah, same. Ditto. Totally agree. If you are not in the recruiting space today, what do you think you'd be doing? I have always loved event planning, but I also could see myself being a coffee shop owner. So one of those two. Oh, I love that. And I'm a coffee shop lover. Oh, me too. <laughs> so I, if you ever need an investor on that, I'm raising my hand. Yes. 
<laughs> I can see that taking off, and I'm already thinking of names. So, but I won't say it here because I don't want them being stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Please let us know where we can find you to connect with you, to consume your content and all of the amazing things that you're doing outside of recruiting and your job search. Where can we find you and what are you doing next? Yes. So right now, my only social account is LinkedIn. You can find me there. My handle is Sir Stone. You can look me up. I am hoping to launch some more social media platforms in the future. So more to come on that. And during this time, I'm still in this creative space. So I'm open to connecting, networking with folks, opportunities that might come available and just to be a resource as I continue to post information and share content. Absolutely. Please do. We'll support you. I'll put all of the stuff in in the show notes, make sure to check it out. And we need more of you on the internet. So please make sure to create more handles everywhere. We need more of you everywhere. I love your content as you always know and cannot wait to see more of you. So please support uh, Harry in all of his amazing new content creation, but please connect with him on LinkedIn. I will be leaving that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. From effective networking to landing job offers, this is the podcast for action takers ready to be the best they can be without any fear. This is the Careers in Review podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode of Careers in Review. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter. You will receive exclusive information about upcoming shows, transcripts, and information about our guests. For all resources mentioned, show notes, transcriptions, and more details regarding topics discussed in today's show, please visit the Careers in Review website, www.careersinreview.com slash podcast. You can also follow Careers in Review on all socials for more exclusive video content. Thank you for listening.